It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast for 2023, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and wherever you get your podcast from. It is a Sunday morning. Hope your weekend is going well. We are already up to March the 26th. For 2023, yes, April is all almost here. Coming up, we have got a bit of a reflection point over the last seven days, plenty of activity. We started off the week with Stephen Halmarek, the Chief Economist at the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, and sort of taking a bit of a pulse, a temperature check uh, through Stephen, looking at the economy and what he predicts moving through 2023. And of course, the big question that we asked him on Monday was, are we heading for a recession? His answer is coming up. We also spoke earlier in the week with Kate Fuller from Adelaide with suburbs undervalued with plenty of potential. Now, this especially around the signing of the submarine deal in the US. So Kate gives us a bit of a breakdown. We also talk with James Thompson from South Perth and find out what's happening in his local neighbourhood. And Eliza Owen, the Head of Residential Research for CoreLogic was in and she was talking about the housing loans that are non-performing and also is the slight uptick in loans past due a cause for concern? So that is all coming up very shortly. If you're celebrating your birthday, happy birthday to you. Many happy returns. You are sharing your birthday with Kira Knightley. She is turning 38 today. Gee, she seems like she's been around forever. She's under 40. Diana Ross isn't though. I bet she wishes she was. She is turning 79. Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith. He's getting on a bit. Turning 75 today. And James Kahn, even older. The American actor who starred, of course, in that terror movie in what I think it was 1984 that it came out Misery with Kathy Bates still stands up I saw that a couple of months ago anyway James Kahn is turning 83 today every morning from 6am we bring you the latest real estate news with diverse perspectives from leading industry experts we deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week It's the main centre forecast. And around the country on our Sunday we go checking all the hot spots and where there might be a shower or two. And good morning if you are in Sydney expecting one or two showers today, your high of 25 degrees. In Melbourne there's going to be a tonne of cloud but it should be a mainly dry Sunday. 21 is your forecast high. Brisbane mainly dry, maybe a shower, there's I think about a 60 65% chance in the afternoon. Your top is 30. And in Perth today, expect, yes, expect some rain. The possibility of rain turning up and your temperature 27 degrees. We're a lot more than just real estate. Available for breakfast from 6am. Then on the drive to work or in your ear at the gym. 
In fact, wherever you go, we're available seven days a week. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. And we can see through our Commonwealth Bank credit and debit card spending data that the last few months has been quite volatile for consumer spending. So November was quite strong as people took advantage of the the big sales ahead of Christmas. December was quite weak. Uh, The first period of January was quite strong in consumer spending as people took holidays. But since then, late January through February into early March, spending does look like it's softening. The higher interest rates are meaning that people need to put more and more of their income aside to pay off their mortgage or, or, and or their rent, and that leaves less money available for spending elsewhere. At the end of April, as you mentioned, we get consumer price index for the, for the March quarter, and we do expect that to show a moderation in the pace of inflation. So headline inflation currently 7.8%. We think that'll be moderated to 7% in the first quarter. So 7% still very, very high inflation, but uh, not quite as high as it was towards the end of last year. So I think that'll be quite welcomed by the Reserve Bank. Yeah. Oh, for sure. If it's starting to stabilise, that is uh, one of the metrics. That's the biggest metric they're looking for. And I think that you're predicting a global recession in 2023, citing interest rates, market volatility. But you're also saying that 2023 could present some excellent opportunities for businesses and investors in Australia. Well, so globally, the, the, the pace of growth in the global economy is, is slowing. So we do expect a, a much slower pace of growth this year than last year. But we've re- recently revised up our growth forecast for this year for the world for to 2.2%. We previously were at 2%. Now, the IMF uh, estimates that 2% global growth is what they call a recession. So at 2.2% for this year, we might just avoid that global recession. The US economy is showing some resilience in the face of much higher interest rates, but it's the, it's the Chinese economy that's now looks like it's going to be growing faster this year because of the, the reopening for the COVID lockdowns of the last couple of years. So China will be a major source of growth for the global economy this year. So definitely a slower global economy, not quite hitting that recessionary definition if our forecasts prove correct. If you have a look at that, so from 2% to 2.2, it's just squeaking outside of the recession. Wouldn't take much, would it, to just tilt that into a recession? So it's kind of a, a little bit on a balancing axis. Yeah, that, that's that's true. And the outlook for Europe looked particularly poor given the ongoing war in Ukraine. The outlook for Japan uh, could be affected by slower global growth as well. We've seen recently some uh, some problems in the US banking system, which add another layer of risk. Certainly some, um, you know, lot, lots of things happening this year that do look like they'll see the global economy or pace of global growth slow quite significantly. And of course, the main thing is that central banks still are raising interest rates very aggressively. And in the case of the US, the US Federal Reserve uh, president has said he thinks interest rates have further to go and they're likely to stay at those higher levels for longer than previously expected. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. And it's very much underdeveloped. So what can you tell us about the area? Because it is close to the CBD. It sure is. I mean, I love this area. Um, I've felt that it's always been undervalued and never really understood why. So where else in a capital city can you be on the coast or just inland from it and also be an easy 20-minute commute to the CBD with price points being so achievable? The area itself, it provides all that families and young couples and retirees are after and it's untouched. So in a way that it still has all facilities at your fingertips, but the main suburbs haven't 
haven't become overly commercialised like some other well-known beach suburbs. They still have their, their charm and the community feel in amongst those is second to none. So Semaphore, as an example of a suburb, which is just on the coast, um, but quite close to Osborne and the ASC, has always reminded me of a country beach town, but still provides that public transport and delicious eateries and hotels and all the day-to-day requirements in way of grocery, shopping, health and medical, with beaches being arguably some of the best family-friendly ones found in Metro Adelaide. Yeah, okay. So apart from Osborne, which leans more into that whole industrial area, I understand that there are some properties interspersed in through there. There are some other areas close by. Typically, what sort of properties are found there? Because there will be people listening thinking, okay, well, what sort of opportunities have we got? Yeah, there is a wonderful mix of properties uh, within the suburbs surrounding and adjacent to Osborne. From tree-lined streets with over 100-year-old character buildings in way of bungalows and cottages, basket range, stone-fronted and solid brick builds through to newer builds that have been recently developed. There's also the unique conversions in churches and warehouses that pop up from time to time, which is always special to see. The character homes are often found on six to 800 square metres of land and to be able to purchase this and be within walking distance to the beach for under 1.5 million is pretty outstanding. And then further inland, some of the block sizes come down slightly but still provide space for the family. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. You're right, Craig. We've got the lowest number of houses for sale in the city of South Perth that I can remember in the last 17 years. And at the same time, you've got demand consistently increasing. So that is really driving price growth. In parallel to that, the apartment market in particular is somewhat oversupplied and the demand from buyers both locally or interstate or internationally uh, has certainly waned for that product type. And that's despite the fact that we've seen considerable rental price growth in that market. So what's happening with the property developers? Are they in in that space of apartments? They're just really sort of pulling back on that, are they? Most definitely. There's been some very uh, well-publicised, high-profile apartment developers and builders both here in Western Australia and nationally that have had to shut their doors because of the well-publicised cost increases in that industry. And that has definitely had an impact on new apartment development here in Perth and uh, particularly in the city of South Perth. With a lot of major projects where pre-sales had been achieved now having to be shelved because of of those construction cost issues. We talk about, on the one hand, we've got these property prices. On the other hand, we've got the rental prices that are just on the rise and the rise. I mean, how tight is that in South Perth where you are? Well, you'd be forgiven for feeling confused about things, wouldn't you, Craig, because of all of this this noise about the market. It really depends on how you're participating in the market. And if you're a prospective tenant here in the city of South Perth at the moment, uh, you're really struggling to find a rental property of any type. Um, and when you find the right one, you know, typically you are competing with, in, in many cases, hundreds of other applicants. And we've seen price growth, growth in some cases of as much as 50% compared to, say, 12 months ago. 
We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. But overall, I mean, we do expect that on the whole, people will be able to continue servicing their mortgages. It's just those people at the margins who maybe borrowed too much or, you know, their income growth or employment status hasn't really held that would be seeing more of a difficult time over the course of the year. Yes, and just picking up on that point, you're talking about the labour market conditions and interest rate increases. What is the expected trend, do you think, in the portion of these loans which you talk about with late payments in the coming quarters? How do you think that that might play out? I think it'll probably put a higher portion of people behind on their mortgage payments. We know that the unemployment rate, which is currently at 3.5%, is expected to peak at around 4.5% by 2024. So that is really where there's more concern around mortgage serviceability. The potential for falling behind on a mortgage also increases where there's a lagged effect between rising interest rates and inflation being tamed. So people will still have a a high cost of living, which uh, means that they can dedicate less to mortgage repayment buffers and and things like that as well. The good news or or the reason we still think that broadly people will be able to service their mortgages is that even with an unemployment rate expected to peak at 4.5%, that's still well below the previous decade average, which is 5.5%. So even as we go through the adjustment period, we're going to come out the other end with a labour market that is relatively tight. Just picking up on that point about households, how do households typically respond to those rising interest rates and what does this suggest about the stability of Australia's mortgage market in the face of these ongoing rate rises? With mortgages specifically, we basically see pretty high levels of payments still going towards housing on average, but the composition of those payments change. So what we'll probably see in the coming quarters is less spending going towards, for example, offset and redraw facilities and more housing payments going towards interest costs. As of the December quarter, we still saw about 17% of housing loan repayments going to these offset and redraw facilities. So that suggests that Australians have a pretty good uh, savings buffer and a pretty good uh, serviceability buffer as we come to the peak of the rate hiking cycle, uh, which will probably be around mid to late 2023. Yay, the peak, the peak. That's what we want to hear (laughs) next year. People will be breaking out the champagne. All right, thanks again. Once again, (laughs) it's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. What, in your opinion, are the most critical data points to consider when analysing housing demand in Sydney, given the multitude of available metrics? Well, there's a lot of insights into data, but with Sydney specifically, the three indicators that make a massive difference are finance lending indicators, and this is about finance take-up that's released by ABS. The second data point is auction clearance rates. And the third is an interesting one. It's actually more around government stimulus and what seems to be all the incentives in play at the given time. 
Yeah, just just sort of points to just how valuable the data is. And using those key metrics that you've mentioned, how does Sydney compare, let's say, across various indicators and what implications might this have for the near future? So if we go back to those three core data points in terms of Sydney specifically, auction clearance weights, when they hover around the 62 to 65% mark, we tend to have a balanced market in Sydney. Now, when you look at Sydney's auction clearance rates from early Feb till now, it's been an absolute tear. And that is a positive word for our, our fellow Sydney siders. Now, we're seeing auction clearance rates in the mid-March period end up at 74%. Uh, that's using auction insider data. If you're looking at domain, 71%. And if you look at it first this time last year, this time last year was 65% based on domain's data for 18th March Saturday ending. Now, what that shows to me is there's a clear change in recovery, and as a result, there's an improvement in auction conditions. So that's the first one, which indicates short-term prices are likely to move up due to that being such an important indicator for Sydney. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 